Hey guys, what's going on? Brian Kellich, certified turbulence trainer, here with one of the guys who rocked my training career back at Turbulence Training Summit, the first one, Mr. Chris Lopez. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm great, Brian. Thanks for having me on the call, man. Well, thanks for having us, man. I know you're a fit and busy dad, so I know it's uh, I know you're a busy guy right now. You got a lot going on, so I'm just glad we got a chance to pick your brain about some stuff. So, uh, first off, how's the fam doing? Is everybody good? Fam is great. Everybody's good. It's uh, we're in the afternoon right now, and so uh, we homeschool our our four youngest ones. So my wife is uh, she's outside uh, with the kids at a friend's farm. Um, while uh, it's it's like the coldest day in Toronto today, if, if you have yeah, any. Yeah, pretty um, brisk out here too. <laughs> is it? No, it's yeah, it's it's pretty cold outside. So um, yeah, my my wife is a trooper. She's out. It's on a farm outside. So there you go. That's pretty nuts, man. Well, I'm not going to talk about farm because I'm I'm not that big of a country boy. But I will ask you some questions about kettlebell. Do you think you can handle it? Uh, yeah, I'll try my best. <laughs> <laughs> I know it may be a new thing for you, Mr. Kettlebell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So I know you have a new product coming out, so I'm going to be asking a lot of kettlebells today. You're kind of, uh, for the, if you don't know, for those of you that don't know, he's kind of my go-to guy for kettlebell questions. Uh, back at the first Turbulence Training Summit, he ran an awesome uh, little workshop on how to do a Turkish getup properly, how to properly do cleans and stuff like that, and it just, like, so many little details have really rocked my world, and I kind of realized how beneficial this type of training could be in terms of functional training, because that seems to be the big thing that's really growing now. Um, so my first question to you is, who can benefit from kettlebell type of training? Um, I think the biggest, uh, the, the person that would benefit the most is probably the busy individual, like somebody who's... Pretty much somebody like like me because that's how I got into kettlebell training. I uh, I've got five kids. I run a couple of businesses. Uh, I really like to spend time with my family, so that that time is sacred. And so I don't really have a lot of time to train. So if you're like me and you've got a family, or if you've got a pretty demanding job where you can't really carve out, uh, you know, an hour or two hours to drive to the gym and then go to the gym and train and then you know go shower and then have some dinner and get ready to make dinner and stuff like that, uh, then that, that's the type of person that really I find benefit from it uh, as far as, like, general population is concerned. And then I, I also have the pleasure of working with some athletes who have seen some huge benefits from, from them as well. But for the most part, I mean, it's, it's regular people just like you and me, Brian. I mean, it, we got a lot of stuff going on. I know you do too now. And, uh, and so we need to get our training in, but we have to make it as effective and as bang for your buck as possible. And the way that I use kettlebells and the way that I've been taught how to use kettlebells, I think is, is the perfect way to do that. And that's why I've kind of embraced them and, and got into them so much. Well, that's, that's great, man. I'll tell you, I started, uh, like I said, after that first summit, I actually started um, incorporating it into my workouts once toward the end, kind of like almost like a finisher, and uh, which is an ironic note. We'll get into that later. But uh, I did, <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, man, this stuff really tanks you. And then you know, they come out with these studies that says like, you know, one minute of kettlebell exercise can burn potentially up to 20 calories. And I mean, it just seems to be something that's really on the rise. But another, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that's also on the rise as well. So you know, you get a lot of the almost like a lot of the CrossFit type stuff, a lot of boot camp type stuff. I mean, there's still the bodybuilding stuff's really making a comeback. So when somebody's looking to get into fitness. And they're trying to kind of figure out the poison of getting back into fitness. Why should someone consider kettlebell over, um, let's say, uh, uh, a CrossFit or a camp or a Zumba class? 
something like that? What makes kettlebell so much better than something? That's a good question. Um, well, for somebody who's just getting back into fitness, one of the things that you really have to be conscious of is, is how you move. If, you, uh, if you're caught up in the Western lifestyle, you know, if you sit at a desk all the time or if you've done like a bunch of bodybuilding workouts before and you want to really get back into it, uh, chances are that you've got a lot of muscular imbalances. You're tight in certain areas. You, uh, you can't move very well, like from an athletic standpoint or even from, a, from an everyday standpoint. So the beauty about kettlebell training or, or the way that I do it, which is called hard style training, is that it's very movement-based. It's, uh, it's based a lot on primal movements, on being able to move your shoulders freely, being able to have loose hips so that you can walk and move around freely. And so, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I always think that, that kettlebells will probably be the perfect way to get in. And we always say in the kettlebell world that if we could only have a client or, or somebody come into this world who is completely fresh or a novice or somebody who's, who hasn't done anything before or hasn't done anything in a long time because we can actually teach them how to move properly and not have them get poisoned by jumping on a treadmill or doing a bench press or, you know, lying down on a leg press or anything like that. A lot of times you'll find we'll get clients in who come from a bodybuilding background or who come from a gym machine background or come from a cardio background and they've got a ton of imbalances and they're brainwashed by the fitness industry into thinking that you need to like feel a burn or that you need to do a body part split or you need to do this or that or some other gimmicky type of thing. And then they become a little bit resistant to what we're trying to teach them. But if we get somebody who's really fresh, uh, like somebody who hasn't been in the fitness scene in a while and really just wants to get back in shape or uh, somebody who's never worked out at all, then that's the type of client that we really, really like because we can teach them how to move properly and we can teach them how to use their body more efficiently. And in that process, they get stronger and they burn more fat. And it's almost like an incidental kind of um, result. So we're teaching them how to move properly and how to get stronger, but all of a sudden they start getting leaner. And then they're kind of like, oh, hey, well, maybe there is something to this kettlebell thing as opposed to somebody who, like, thinks that they need to run for an hour to, to burn fat. So that's the type of person I think that well, – that's why I think kettlebells are the great um, – you know, we toss this phrase around all the time, but I, that's why I think kettlebells are a good gateway drug into the fitness industry or into working out because we can teach you how to do things properly and how to move well. Well, I think that's important for any type of weight loss. And like you said, there's a lot of muscular imbalances with a lot of people who do – improper bodybuilder training they think they're doing it right and then they end up throwing their body out of whack and like you said your body has to work together like one unit you can't just have you know a giant back and an imbalanced chest you know you have to have everything working together and that's the one thing that i found like you said with the kettlebell training it almost it almost kind of reprograms your muscles to communicate differently you know it's, it's kind of like how do these muscles work together to create this movement to create this technique and I mean I found that just it's something new it's something fresh and I think even if you are doing some type of bodybuilding um, regimen a lot of the guys are I think a kettlebell is a really really versatile piece to kind of throw into the um, to throw into the puzzle and that kind of leads me to my next question for you Chris um, a lot of people are starting to do kettlebells now like I said there's been a increase in functional training and stuff like that over the past year or two and a lot of people are jumping in the gym they're maybe grabbing a dumbbell or a kettlebell and trying to do swings or snatches or whatever. What are, and I'm sure you go to the gym, 
from here and there. What are three of the biggest mistakes you see people make when they train with kettlebells? Um, I think the first is the mentality that, you know, they, they want to treat it just as like a dumbbell, but it looks like a cannonball with a handle on it. And that's not what it is at all. I mean, so the biggest mistake is just going in with that mentality that, yeah, it's a, here's the, here's a dumbbell or some new type of dumbbell that I can do bicep curls with. So it isn't, you're not maximizing, uh, the use of it that way. Um, as far as like technical mistakes that I see, I, I think the, the biggest thing, and if we go on the most common kettlebell exercise or the most famous kettlebell exercise, which would be the swing, um, a lot of people use the swing at, or they think the swing is a knee dominant kind of sumo squat front raise type of thing. And uh, th- that's probably the biggest mistake. If you, again, if we could bash on Western lifestyle, again, I mean, we're already so anterior dominant. Like we've got tight hips, we've got rounded shoulders forward because we sit at a desk all the time. You know, uh, people squ- like they squat down and they, they got overdeveloped quads, and the back of their body is not developed enough. And so, if you do a kettlebell swing the way that a lot of people mistakenly do it, where they squat down and then they try to raise it with their arms using their shoulders, then you're just making, you're just emphasizing that imbalance. You're just making everything in the front of your body tight. The real way to swing a kettlebell is to use it as a hip hinge or as a posterior chain exercise where you're using it powerfully. You're minimally bending your knees. Um, so you've got like what I call, try to, well, what I tell my clients to have is a, a vertical shin angle. So your shin should be almost straight up and down, perpendicular to the floor. And you've really got to hike your butt back as far as you can and keep your back arched up to the point where you feel a slight pull in your hamstrings where you're, you're almost using your hamstrings as, as, uh, as an elastic band. Like if you're ready to shoot an elastic band at somebody, then that's kind of what your hamstrings are doing when you're swinging kettlebell the right way. So that's, that's the first mistake. Um, the second mistake is, a is kind of, it seems like a little detail, but it's a big thing. And that's when you hold the kettlebell in the rack position. So if you imagine you're about to press a kettlebell, um, that your wrist gets into either, a uh, a, a badly extended position. And so you're not neutral, your knuckles and the top of your hand isn't aligned with your forearm. And that can cause a lot of problems, uh, in your forearm, not only your forearm, but in your bicep. And in uh, it, it just a general imbalance in your body and you're in a generally weaker position. When you move, the more joints you move when you're trying to press a kettlebell, the weaker you kind of get because you leak energy every time you move a joint. So you want to try to keep certain joints stable and only mobilize the joints that you want to use to, to like press a bell or to hold it up overhead. And so when you mobilize that wrist joint, trying to hold it improperly, you can really hurt yourself and, and that could put you out because you've got to do everything with your hands. So if, even if you wanted to get back into like some bodybuilding stuff and you've got a bad wrist because you tried to press a kettlebell the wrong way, you can, you can really get hurt. So that's, that's the second thing. Um, make sure that you've got a really good neutral wrist before you, um, before you press the bell. And then the, the last mistake that I see, and it, it's something that people wouldn't really start to think about until they started lifting heavier bells but it goes back to that whole connection as far as moving joints or, or trying to get um, or trying to press a kettlebell up, which is not contracting your glutes and your abs when you're either swinging or even when you're pressing or when you're squatting. A lot of what we do um, in hard style training and hard style kettlebell training 
uh, is routed from the glutes and the tightness that you generate or the tension that you're able to generate in your glutes. So if I'm trying to press a weight over my head and the rest of my body is loose, I'm not going to be as strong or I'm not going to be able to generate as much force as if I were to be able to channel the rest of the muscles in my body to really try to get that weight up. So a great example was I just did my level two RKC uh, a few months ago and um, I was playing around with the press and to be able to pass level two, you have to be able to press half your body weight over your head. And so for me, that was uh, being able to press a 36 kilogram kettlebell and after playing around with it, I noticed that I wasn't able to press even a 32 if I just tried to, like, clean it up and press it right away. I had to be able to generate tension in other muscles in my body in order to get that bell straight up. And so when it comes to, I guess, when you get to more advanced stages in your training, you really have to understand that even if you're pressing a kettlebell or even if you're swinging a kettlebell, it's not just your hips that are involved or it's not just your legs that are involved. It's not just your shoulders that are involved, but there's, it's, it's an entire full body effort. It's kind of like what you were saying about reprogramming your muscles to kind of work in sync. Um, that, that's kind of like the same thing. So that's a bit more of a, an advanced tip or an advanced mistake that I see people making. But the biggest one definitely is the one that I mentioned with the swing, turning into a sumo squat and, and a front raise, which it is totally not. Yeah, I always I think you said one thing at the summit, and it really just rocked my world with kettlebell like it's going to be. You said when you do a swing, the first thing you corrected on almost everybody was that they were using too much knees. Uh, they they right. weren't using hips, like you said. But the biggest thing, as you said, it's almost like you're throwing the kettlebell forward, not lifting it up. And I think that's one of the biggest things, at least I saw when I was using it with clients and whatnot, is they think it's a raise. They think it's, you know, raising the kettlebell up. And in reality, like you pointed out, it's actually a throwing forward motion. You're, you're, you're pushing the hips forward, and you're, and you're throwing that kettlebell through the wall in front of you. And I think that was something that really, really mentally kind of flipped me around to get me in a better spot for kettlebell training. I have a question for you. This one's this is kind of off the script here. Now, see, I run boot camps and stuff in Michigan. Obviously, I've had a handful of personal training clients. How do you avoid what I call the dreaded flop of the kettlebell? Because what happens is people will go to clean the kettlebell or maybe snatch the kettlebell above their head, and they get that dreaded flop right on the back of their wrist or the back of their hand. Is there, a, or is there something? I mean, obviously, we know what they're not doing, but is there something that you get tell them like a psychological cue or something to prevent all that kettlebell from flopping on the back part of the wrist or their forearm? Yeah, good question because I know I was actually working with my wife on this a couple of days ago. Um, one of the things that you'll find, you'll get the flop because uh, if you think about the, well, let's think about the swing. If you think about the swing, when you swing that kettlebell, just like what you were saying, you're, you're generating your force, you're directing your force to the horizon it's coming out in front of you. And because of that, your elbows are far away from your body. So you've got what we call uh, loud elbows, right? Because your elbows are far away from your body. Sure. When you're sure. cleaning a kettlebell to avoid the flop, you want to try to have quiet elbows. What that means is that your elbows can travel in a plane straight forward, but should never travel away from your body, if that makes any sense. So there's a little drill that I like to use with, uh, and I use this with my wife. I have my wife take the kettlebell and hold it in the rack position. And from that rack position, I took a piece of paper and I put it in her armpit. So she had to lift her arm a little bit, and I had her put it in her armpit. And now I said, well, what I want you to do is I want you to clean the kettlebell, but don't let go of that piece of paper. 
So what you really have to focus on doing is as that kettlebell, as you're recleaning that kettlebell, so as you drop it and then you get into your, your, hip, uh, your hip hinge, as you forcefully drive your hips, you really want to try to spear the bell and beat it to the spot. It's not so much a flip where you're trying to get that bell all the way up and then wait for it to come down and then really clench your hand hard to try to decelerate it. You literally have to try to move your hand around the bell. You have to try to move your hand around the bell and try to get it into that good nook in your arm. So it's, uh, it's one of those things that, and, and I'll fully admit, the clean was probably the one, uh, the one exercise that I had uh, that I had to work on the most. It takes a lot of practice, but try using that that little paper drill and see if that helps. Because what I've found is once you understand that you have to move your arm around the bell and that you've got that quiet elbow, things usually start to click. And it took her, after I gave her that exercise, it took her probably about five or six more reps until she actually got it. And it was it was good because she was getting pretty frustrated. She was getting bruises on her arms. and Sure, and, uh, a lot of people do. You see that with a lot of people in the gym, man. They just beat the hell out of their forearms. And you're like, man, aren't you like, can you feel that? And you can tell in their face every time they clean, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're in so much pain. And, uh, yeah, that's a sweet trick. I mean, minus, I, I make sure not to paper cut my armpits. But that is <laughs> man. I think the biggest thing for me was getting the concept of moving, like you said, moving your hand, moving your arm around the bell, around the bell. It's not, the bell shouldn't go over the hand and down. It should go around. It should be a fluid motion. And I think that's what kind of, uh, like you said, once I got in that mindset. But I'm going to try the paper trick. I'm going to go out in the gym after I get off this call. I'm going to go up to my trainers. I'll put paper between their armpits. And I'm going to see if they can clean those kettlebells. And it's going to be yeah. fair. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. you got to take a video of that, Brian. You I should. I will. I will, I'll get it over to you. We'll, uh, we'll put it up, and uh, you'll, I'm sure you'll put it out on one of your emails. That'll be hysterical. We're gonna we're gonna start a new what I uh, we'll call it a kettlebell STD, the flop. You got to avoid it. You got away from the flop, man. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, those are sweet tips, man. And that's again, this is why I was so excited about the call today. I hope you guys listening in on this call are really taking notes. I mean, Chris is the authority when it comes to kettlebell training in my eyes and a lot of people's eyes in the turbulence training world. So really go back to those three tips he gave you and really work on that swing because, and Chris will agree with me on this, the swing is like step one for if you want to do anything with kettlebells. So you really have to have a good swing. It's the foundation. I mean, it's the foundation. If you want to be able to snatch, if you want to be able to clean, and then to be able to have a good press, you've got to have a good clean. But you've got to be able to really master that hip hinge. And it's, it's, it all comes down to that understanding that it isn't about your knees or your quads or anything, that, that you should be feeling your glutes, you should, be, you should be feeling your hamstrings, and you should be tensing your butt right at the peak of that swing. So when you thrust your hips forward, you should imagine that you've got like, I don't know, like a $100 bill in between your butt cheeks and you don't want to let it go. Like, that's how your swing should finish. That's an expensive swing, Lopez. That's an expensive yeah. swing, man. Well, you know what? I used to work – you can ask Craig. We used to work at this, this ritzy place, this ritzy uh, studio in, in Toronto. And uh, I used to say, because they were so rich, $100 wasn't enough. I used to say, imagine that you've got your black Amex card in between your butt cheeks and you don't want to let it go. And then people, like, automatically got it. It was hilarious. <laughs> have to change, have but to change that, the point of view on that. <laughs> yeah, you got to change. Yeah, you got to change the verbiage in accordance to, uh, I guess, the demographic. But sure, no, that's same concept. Fair. I'm gonna have to use that one. I'm gonna have to use that one. So, well, we're talking about kettlebells now. A birdie told me by a birdie, I mean the entire like Peter's training team 
we're talking about your upcoming product launch. You have a new kettlebell product coming up. Is that is that a rumor or a rumor? Uh, no, it is a rumor. It is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's a good word, man. Yeah. You like that? Uh, I made it. <laughs> that's a good word. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got something up. Com- uh, so my original product is called the TT Kettlebell Revolution. And, uh, after I got my, uh, RKC2 and now my SFG2, uh, been spinning a lot and been really trying to apply those concepts into fat loss and how that will work. So the new product is called the Kettlebell Evolution and it's an advanced fat loss program. Um, it's designed pretty much to give somebody, to get somebody six pack abs. So it comes with, uh, it's the manual. It's, uh, some follow-along videos that you can do at home. Uh, there's, a, there's a really cool program embedded in it called the 28-Day Shred, and it's almost like an extreme fat loss type of program and diet. Uh, like I said, you've got, a, well, you've got a diet with it as well, uh, some meal plans. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great little package. It's probably everything that I've learned up to this point uh, encompassed into a fat loss package. And it, it's got a little bit of a spin in it because it, it kind of takes the whole fat loss mentality of, you know, you've got to do more reps and you've got to, you know, chase reps and you've got to get your numbers and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to, you've got to do so much. And it almost simplifies it using kettlebell training as the base for it and using strength as a base for it. So it, it's something that I'm really excited uh, to launch and to get out there everything's with the designer right now and the product is done. But um, as you probably know, with the home workout revolution being part of the putting that all that together, uh, when it's out of your hands and in the hands of the technical people, there's always like, <laughs> there's always uh, mishaps, man. <laughs> yeah. So you got to sit there's back and you got to breathe, but I'm really happy with a, it too. I it's mean, always like that though. We'll get a, we'll get a product done and like, usually it takes us like a week tops to get a product done. And then it's just like waiting, waiting for yeah. everyone else to <laughs> people don't well, realize that. people on the call don't realize that but it is it's a lot of waiting when you're pushing out a product especially uh when you're waiting on the technical end because you don't want a beautiful kettlebell package wrapped in tinfoil man you want this thing coated in gold so that happens well, right. you need I the mean, right people to do it yeah and we did get the right people i mean the the site is looking like the um the designer just sent me the the draft of the site and what it's going to look like, and so we're making some tweaks to the, the copy right now into the product a little bit. But I mean, it's great. It's a well designed PDF. The site looks incredible. Uh, we got the same guys that did um, uh, Adam Sears Bodyweight Burn to uh, to design the site, so he's he's doing a great job. And and uh, and then my video guy is plugging away with a fulfillment company trying to get uh, all the videos together and in the right sequence and the order and getting the manuals looking nicely and getting the covers all set up. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a big deal. And for me, I mean, this is I'm really it's something that I'm really proud of and really excited to get out into the world. So uh, so when uh, when do you think uh, projected? Is it something that maybe we'll see beginning of February, late February? What are you thinking? Right now, it's looking like mid-February. Um, right, right now, yeah. I mean, I wanted to get it out for my 36th birthday, which is in about three days, and that's not clearly not going to oh, happen. Oh, you liar. You liar. You are totally not 36, man. You Canadians don't age. I swear to God, man. <laughs> I'm totally th- Dude, I got five kids. I'm totally 36. Like, oh, man. At least. You said that at TT Summit. I was like, no way. No way, man. If you never met Chris Lopez, he is as youthful as a 20-year-old. You're like, no way is this guy 36. That's good, though, man. That's good. It's, 
No, hey, hey, you work for it, man. You're level two certified now. I don't even want to know. I feel like I would die if I tried that. But uh, well, I'm I'm 36, but I feel I, I feel like I'm 23 again. And uh, I mean, I hate to, you know, I hate to say it was because of kettlebells, but a lot of stuff changed, like in my life and with my body and everything. After I started training with them, I mean, I'm I I I I'd like to think that I am my own testimonial. I mean, things were. I used to do the whole bodybuilding thing, and and I would focus a lot on you know being under the bar, and I was always hurt, and I had problems with my shoulder, and so I've been doing kettlebell stuff exclusively, pretty much for the past four years now, and things really started to change when I uh, when I started to focus more on being able to move well and focus on being really strong, and everything else kind of fell into place after that, so. I think that's I mean, great, man. You know, a lot of people on this call are probably in that same position. You know, they're probably, you know, mid-30s, 40, getting close to 40. It's like you don't want to lose your body when you start getting close to the big 4-0 or even over it, you know. So I, I think that they needed to hear that, and I think that's a great testimonial for what you do because, like you said, once you hit, you know, 30, 35, 40 years old, it's not necessarily about, you know, being bodybuilder ripped per se. It's about a quality of life. And I feel like a lot of your kettlebells, it makes it a better quality of life. It makes your body move better. You feel better. You perform better. Life is just better, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. And then it was like I was saying earlier, it's it's incidental fat loss. You're not training for fat loss per se, but because of your lifestyle and because of the way you train, it just automatically happens. Like, it's ridiculous how how almost no-brainer it is. Like, it, it really amazed me because – I mean, for me especially, you know, and coming from coming from an environment, training in a big city where a lot of people are focused on the aesthetic, it's a hard sell to really say to somebody, you know what, you need to be strong. Like, you got to be strong first. Like, try telling, you know, a 36-year-old lady whose who's nanny is looking after the kids right now, and, you know, she's got to look great for the, the cocktail party, the lunch that she's got to get to, because all our other friends are you know, they're all skinny and thin and she just had a kid, try telling her that you need to, like, you got to be strong first. And she's not going to listen to you. She just wants to feel the burn. So <laughs> they just, they just want to look good and dress. Yeah, well, that's exactly it, right? So yep. So telling them or, or understanding that, that the fat loss and the looking good and, and being lean and, and being muscular or having great tone in your muscles is, is an incidental thing. It's a byproduct of the way you're going to train. Uh, it, it's a tough sell, but you got to get them to believe first. And once you get them to believe and understand uh, what happens to your body after you start training that way, it's really amazing. And then you get clients for life. Like you've got, you've got raving right. fans for life and it's been amazing. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, I got I got one more question and then a random curveball. Cause I love throwing random curveball questions at the end. So, okay. question, where, do you, where do you think the future of kettlebell training is going to go this year? Oh, I think it is the future. I think you, what you'll see is a, a lot of uh, you'll see a lot of more professionals. And by professionals, I mean I mean you know strength coaches and professional teams. I think uh, even the medical community, community, I think a lot of people are going to start seeing the benefit of it. There's a lot of research coming out right now. Just in the past three or four years, there have been so many studies of kettlebell showing the benefits of kettlebell over, like, squatting a barbell or over cardio. I mean, there was a big study done that, that was almost – that revolutionized the fitness industry because they showed that you can get a better VO2 max and, and train harder by swinging a kettlebell in half the time – 
than doing a, a VO2 max test on a treadmill or however they traditionally did a VO2 max test. I guess it was on a bike when they when they did the test, but I mean it, it's really amazing. I think everybody is going to start seeing that benefit. Everyone is going to start understanding how to be able to get strong and and um, how to use a kettlebell to be able to do that, to be able to change their body. And like what you were saying before, just improve their health overall. Like we, we've got an aging population with the boomers getting older and, uh, and the generation after that. Everybody's getting a little older. Everybody's becoming a little bit more health conscious. And I think people will really start to seek out experts uh, with kettlebell training to, to help them move better and to help improve their quality of life. So, I, I mean, that's that's where I think the future is going. People are going to start becoming more aware of their health and that what I was saying before, the incidental fat loss. That's awesome. And I, I totally agree with that. I think people are starting to become way more aware of it, and I think it's exciting. I, I'm personally excited. I, like I said, I'm becoming more of a fan of kettlebell every day the more I incorporate it into my training. So hopefully other people will jump on so I'm not the only Lone Ranger in the area. But, uh, okay, curveball question. How many kettlebells right. are in the house right now? Right now? That's hilarious. You know, I just finished. Uh, I just finished a workout. So, okay. Well, one. I'm looking at my 36. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, in my room. All right, you're over ten now, man. Way more. No, now. I'm serious. Ten. ten <laughs> in the I've got a. I got a 32 in the garage, and then I've got. And I, I, I should. I should take a picture of this one. I've got a 24-kilogram a kettlebell that I've named Sunny because Sunny is my wife's nickname. That's been did you around. Put a, did you put a face on it? You should put a face on it, man. No, but you should see this thing. It's like it's like weathered and banged up. Nothing like my wife. I'm not saying, honey, I love you. I'm not saying that you're <laughs> She's listening to this podcast like, oh, he didn't. Oh, he didn't. <laughs> no, but I've had this kettlebell with me. This is this is my very, very first purchase. It was a 24-kilogram kettlebell. I've got it right here in front of me. This is kettlebell number 11 or number 1, depending on how you look at it, because uh, I've got a pair of 24s upstairs in my room. I just finished a, a workout, that's, and so I was in my room not, training man. there. Yeah, it's like and you, so yeah. You got a fever and the only prescription is more kettlebells. That's <laughs> so I'm, exactly. So I've got eleven kettlebells in the house right now. Eleven. That's obnoxious. That's great. Well, okay, so you're officially yes, the K B you're the K B guru now. You have eleven kettlebells in the house. I have two and I thought I was doing well. So you uh you beat me on that one. All right. Last more last random question and then I'm gonna let you go. What is your favorite chest? kettlebell exercise with something that's more chest dominant than others that you like a lot uh you know they just incorporated this into into the training standards but uh and so i've had to practice it a lot one of the things that um we've got to do to be able to test uh to be able to recertify is to do a turkish get up with uh, a kettlebell that is i think a third heavier than your snatch side so my snatch side is 24 i've got to do a 32 kilogram uh, Turkish get up or, or get up and they change the standards in such a way that you've got to press it off the floor so before you used to be in the fetal position then you could press it right, off roll the it up and then lift it yeah right but now what you've got to do is be in the fetal position roll onto your back isolate it in whichever arm that you're going to be using to get up and then press it up from there and get it into position and the reason why they told you to do that is because not only does it light up your pec but it's great for your lat because you need your lat to stabilize the rest of your shoulder. And so I've been practicing 36-kilogram floor presses 
and believe it or not, like the, I'm the guy who like completely renounces the bench press and who says that anybody who wants to do any type of horizontal pushing exercise is just, you know, it's just like a, some egotistical kind of, you know what, but now, <laughs> let me bro, um, let me bro. Yeah. Now. Yeah, exactly. Right. How much you bench, bro. Right. <laughs> but now they've incorporated it into the standards. And so I'm doing floor presses with, with the 36K just to kind of practice and make sure that I can stabilize it uh, like in, in that way. So that's my favorite kettlebell chest exercise right now is a, is a floor press because, awesome. well, we've got to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's no other choice. No other choice. All right, well, thank you so much. And just so you guys know, I thought I forgot to mention this random fact in the beginning. Chris Lopez was actually the first certified turbulence trainer. So... I'm a, I'm a little uh, I'm a little starstruck. I'm having an interview with the first certified turbulence trainer, man. I feel special. I am, yeah. I'm the OG, the original gangster. Yeah, that's me. That's I'm, right. 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 Well, Chris, yeah. thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Guys and girls listening to the call, I hope you guys got a lot of really good kettlebell tips. Um, hopefully, maybe you'll see Chris Lopez maybe at this year's turbulence training summit. He's usually around hanging out. So uh, feel free if you're if you haven't reserved that. Uh, jump on the TT training uh, newsletter on uh, ttnumbers.com. There's all the information for that. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you guys so much for listening in, and we will see you on the next podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Brian, and uh, keep on doing what you're doing, man. That was a great interview, high-energy call. Really had a lot of fun. So thanks so much, man. Thanks. Thanks, man. All right. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Bye. Okay. Take care. Brian. Yeah, you good? All good, man. Yeah. You good? You have fun? <laughs> yeah, that was great, man. Good job. Good. Really great job. Good. No, dude, you killed it. It was really, really good content, man. That's why I was really excited about this. It's like people are actually going to learn the little things, you know, like they've never done.